It's December 14th, 2021, and this is episode 17 of the More Math for More People podcast. Cheers! Hello, I'm Joel. And I'm Misty. And this is More Math for More People, brought to you by CPM Educational Program. This podcast supports middle and high school teachers with best practices, relevant research, helpful hints and tips, and anything else that randomly comes to our minds. We hope you find this podcast both entertaining and informative for your math teaching practice. Hey, it's Misty, and I wanted to tee up today's podcast for you. Joel and I decided to do a special podcast for our last episode of 2021. The CPM business office always takes a holiday for two weeks between December 22nd and January 5th of every year. So our business office is shut down. All of the various departments, including the PL department, have a couple weeks off for the holidays. So this episode will be our last episode of 2021. We will skip a week and we will have our next episode on January 11th of 2022. So as part of this special episode, we're going to do our day of, of course, and we decided to do some dramatic reenactments of some CPM problems that you might remember or know. And then our team is going to do a special whip around for you with advice that we would give teachers in the middle of the year. So we hope that you appreciate that. We hope you've had a wonderful holiday so far, and we hope to see you again in 2022. See you soon. So Joel. Yeah. What day is it today? Today is National Monkey Day. Monkey Day! Monkey Day? Ashley's here with us for National Monkey Day. Ashley, what do you think about monkeys? I really like monkeys. I think they all look pretty different, though. Monkeys can range in size. There's tiny, big monkeys. Went to a zoo one time, and there was very, very tiny monkeys. I'd never seen a monkey so small before, so... Were they baby monkeys, or were they full-size monkeys? They were full-size monkeys, but the Hmm. breed was Hmm. very tiny. Interesting. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I think monkeys are cool. I think that's really cool that there are old world monkeys and new world monkeys. What's the difference? Where they live. I mean, <laughs> at some point in the past when yeah. Pangaea split, blah, 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 and the Atlantic Ocean was formed, many species diverged and they, were, they have a common ancestor and now they've diverged into old world, which is not really older. It's just where white people lived, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Europe. And then New World. (laughs) Very interesting. Cool. How would one celebrate Monkey Day? How would they celebrate? How would you celebrate Monkey Day? Well, I'm curious how you're going to celebrate Monkey Day, Joel. (laughs) Monkey Day activities could be that you could go to a zoo. Mm -hmm. You could donate. There's a lot of different organizations out there. You could donate donate (laughs) to those organizations. (laughs) This is one of my favorite ones. You could consume monkey media. So... Like uh, you were going to say consume monkey meat. And I was like, that does not sound like a really great celebration for monkeys. No, that, well, in some consume way that celebrates, I guess. But the, media. 
and Super Monkey Media. So you <laughs> what can, is that like television shows for monkeys? Well, like Curious George or oh, if you've ever monkeys. seen Aladdin's Abu, things like I that. I was wondering what, what the programming was on the monkey channel for yeah. monkeys to watch. <laughs> I wonder if they lots have a monkey bananas, channel. Bananas. True. Lots of, I don't know, uh, pictures of other monkeys mm-hmm. so they could throw things at each other. Do you know what the smallest monkey is? I do want to know. I don't know, but Ashley might have seen it. The smallest monkey is a pygmy marmoset. Oh. Could it fit in my hand? Yes. I have seen a monkey that could fit in your hand, yes. Maybe it was a pygmy marmoset. It's four inches, three and a half ounces. What? Four inches. Wait, okay. Four. What is that measurement of? The length from head and body, not tail. So not including tail. That's right. I was going to say, if that includes his tail, it's very small. Monkeys generally have (laughs) long tails. That's true. (laughs) It's part of what makes them a monkey. And they're they're prehensile. I think that's a cool word. Prehensile. I don't know what that means. That means that they can grab things. Oh. But they can hang by their tail. Okay. Yeah, people don't even have prehensile feet. No. You can't <laughs> wrap your feet around things. I can pick up a lot of stuff with my toes, actually. You can. Your toes are slightly prehensile. Right, but not your whole feet. You couldn't hang by your toes. Monkeys can. <laughs> I think an appropriate way to to celebrate Monkey Day might be making yeah. sure everyone knows the proper way to open a banana. Do you guys know you're supposed to open it from the other end and not the top? <laughs> the <other laughs> from the other end. end. <laughs> you're like, the proper way is to open it from the other end that you open. Not the other That's end. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. you're just that sort of implies that like, oh, you've yeah. opened it from this end and it's the wrong end. That's right. <laughs> I, so I've heard that before. People are like, oh, you're supposed to open it from this end. But no one has been able to tell me why you're supposed to open it from the non-stem end, let's say. If you watch a monkey open a banana, the way that they open a banana is through the other end because they pinch it and it comes open. You don't have to do the whole peel thing. You just pinch, it pops right open. And hmm. yeah, that's how I've seen a monkey do it. I see. So it's the proper way because monkeys do it that way and monkeys must know best. <laughs> right. They I, eat I more than we do. tend to believe that maybe. <laughs> cool. Well, celebrate monkeys. I think monkeys are pretty cool. They're fun. Absolutely. And they do silly things. So I think you should do something silly today. I think so too. And the day really does serve as just a, an awareness of monkeys, which I think is kind of cool and brings a new understanding to the term monkey business. Oh, Core Connections Integrated 1, Lesson 2.2.4 is about dimensional analysis. And Problem 2-81, How Many Jabberwocks Are There?, uses the poem Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll from the book Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There to lay the foundation for the dimensional analysis problem. And I thought it'd just be fun to read here for you today. Twas Brillig and the Slithy Toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mismy were the borough groves and the momraths outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jibjub bird, and shun the firmiest bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the madzome foe he sought. So rested he by the tumtum tree, and stood a while in thought. And in oofish thought he stood, the jabberwock with eyes of flame came whiffling through the tugly wood and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. 
And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O frabious day, kalu kalay, he chortled in his joy. Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mismy where the borough grows and the momraths outgrabe. There are twenty tum-tum trees in the tuggly wood, and each tuggly wood is one ferneous bandersnatch. There are five slithy toves and two borough groves. There are two momraths per jabberwock. There are two jub-jub birds and two hundred tum-tum trees. And there are two hundred momraths in each borough grove. There are five jub-jub birds per slithy tove. Your task. Determine how many jabberwocks there are if you have five fermius bandersnatches. Send your replies to cpmpodcast at cpm.org. So today, for your listening pleasure, we have Ashley, Ashley Boyd, joining us from the PL team. Thanks, Ashley, for coming in today. Hello. Thanks, Ashley. Absolutely. We're going to do a dramatic reenactment of one of the problems in a CPM course. It's an application of logarithms from either Core Connections Algebra 2, Lesson 6.2.4, or the same problem is in Integrated 3, Lesson 7.1.4. And it is the case of the cooling corpse, a mathematical mystery. So Ashley's joining us today so that we can uh, do all of the parts for this dramatic reenactment of the case of the cooling corpse. The setting, the setting is the coroner's office inside the courthouse. The coroner's office is kept at a cool 17 degrees Celsius. Agent 008 kept pacing back and forth, trying to keep warm as he waited for any new information about his latest case. For more than three hours now, Dr. Dedman had been performing an autopsy on the side road slasher's latest victim. And Agent 008 could see that the temperature of the room and the deafening silence were beginning to irritate even Dr. Dedman. The slasher had been creating more work than Dr. Dedman cared to investigate. Dr. Dedman, don't you need to take a break? You've been examining this body for hours. Even if there were any clues, you probably wouldn't see them at this point. I don't know. I just have this feeling something's not quite right. Somehow the slasher slipped up with this one and left a clue. We just have to find it. Well, I got to get back to headquarters. Do you mind if I step out for a couple of hours? No, that's fine. Maybe I'll have something by the time you return. Sure, someone always wants to be the hero and solve everything herself. The doctor just does not realize how big this case really is. The slasher has left a trail of dead bodies through five states. Agent 008 left, closing the door quietly. As he walked down the hall, he could hear the doctor's voice describing the victim's gruesome appearance into the tape recorder fade away. The hallway from the coroner's office to the elevator is long and dark. But this was the only way to Dr. Dedman's office. Doesn't this frighten most people? Well, it doesn't seem to bother old Ajax Baraxo. There he is mopping the floor. Agent 008 shakes his head in wonder as he passes Ajax Baraxo mopping. Agent 008 stopped briefly to use the restroom and bumped into one of the deputy coroners, who asked, Dedman, still at it? 
Sure is, Dr. Quincy. She's totally obsessed. She's certain there's a clue. As usual, when leaving the courthouse, 008 had to sign out. He goes to sign out, where he encounters Sergeant Faust. How's it going down there, Agent 008? Faust spent most of his shifts monitoring the front door, forcing all visitors to sign in, while he recorded the time next to the signature. Agent 008 wondered if Faust longed for a more exciting aspect of law enforcement. If I were doing Faust's job, I would get a little stir-crazy sitting behind a desk most of the day. Why would someone become a cop to do this? Dr. Deadman is convinced she will find something soon. We'll see. It's already ten minutes before two. Will I make it back to headquarters before the chief leaves? Well, good luck. 008 heads out the door. It was later in the afternoon when Agent 008 returned to the courthouse, sighing deeply. Would the secret guest please sign in? Sign in again? Annoying. 5.05 p.m. Wow, I hadn't planned to be gone so long. For a moment, Agent 008 saw a positive point to having anyone who came in or out of the courthouse sign in. He knew by quickly scanning the list that Dr. Deadman had not left. In fact, the doctor must still be working on the case. As he approached the coroner's office, he had a strange feeling that something was wrong. He could not hear or see Dr. Deadman. When he opened the door, the sight inside stopped him in his tracks. Evidently, Dr. Deadman was now the newest victim of the slasher. But wait! The other body, the one the doctor had been working on, was gone. Immediately, the security desk with its annoying sign-in sheet came to mind. Yes, there were lots of names on that list, but if he could determine the time of Dr. Deadman's death, he might be able to scan the roster to find the murderer. Quickly, he grabbed the thermometer to measure the doctor's body temperature. He turned around and hit the security buzzer. The bells were deafening. He knew the building would be sealed off instantly and security would be there within seconds. How could this happen? I spoke to the doctor less than an hour ago. As the security officers crowded into the room, Agent 008 explained what he knew, which was almost nothing. He had stopped long enough to check the doctor's body temperature. 27 degrees Celsius. That's 10 degrees Celsius below normal. Then, 008 remembered, the tape recorder. Dr. Deadman had been taping her observations. That was standard procedure. They began looking everywhere. The slasher must have realized that the doctor had been taping and taken the tape recorder as well. Sometime later. The thermometer is still in Dr. Deadman's side. Exactly an hour has passed during the search, and the thermometer clearly reads 24 degrees Celsius. Now I can determine the time of death. Bum, 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 bum. Now, if you want to figure out the answer to the problem, you can go to the source and use your logarithms to figure out the time of death and who killed Dr. Deadman. The study team and teaching strategy for today's episode that we're going to take a look at is a whip around. So the purpose of a whip around is to elicit some sort of reflective comment from your students. So as a teacher, you would provide a prompt. Students would take turns sharing brief comments about the prompt while the rest of the class is listening to those responses and making sense of the problem. 
So to model that today, we've asked the professional learning team at CPM to give their best bits of advice as we're about halfway through the school year. So let's go ahead and whip around and listen now. Hi, my name is Laura Bain, and I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I've taught CPM at the middle school and the high school levels. And as we're approaching the middle of the school year, my advice for teachers would be to remember that mastery takes time, effort, and support for students as well as for teachers. So with that in mind, be patient with yourself and remember to reach out for help to your colleagues or your CPM support contacts. My name is Danielle Boggs, and I'm here in central Illinois, not to be confused with Chicago, since I'm surrounded by cornfields and not skyscrapers. An interesting fact about me is that I have completed the 140.6-mile Ironman triathlon in just under 15 hours and eight months of training. As we approach the middle of the school year, my one piece of advice for CPM teachers would be that as scary, weird, or vulnerable as it might make you feel, be sure you get anonymous feedback from your students on how you're doing and how they feel about your class. It really is eye-opening. You can even ask them for suggestions for improvement, and just be sure to share what you're going to do with the information once you get it, or as you make changes, let students know that you're trying something new based on what they had said. Hello, this is Nicole Gorgas in Victoria, Minnesota. An interesting fact about me is that while traveling in Cusco, Peru, I tasted the delicacy of guinea pig. As you are approaching the middle of the school year, a piece of advice that comes to mind is to try and carve out 30 seconds in the middle and the end of your lesson for students to check in with the learning target, the math goal, the math question, or it maybe is even a teamwork goal. Are we there yet? Are you there yet? What questions do you still have? Giving time for students to self-assess and self-monitor supports their ability to be an independent learner. My name is Estrita Lizens, and I am from Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. The piece of advice that I would like to give you as you approach mid-year is to take a moment and look at the mathematical growth of your students. I often got so wrapped up in the daily plans and classes that I forgot to look for or notice the growth of my students' learning. Compare where they were at the beginning of the school year and where they are now. I bet you are going to be amazed at how far they've come. Hello from the Valley of the Sun. I'm Sarah Thompson, a Regional Professional Learning Coordinator for CPM here in the Southwest. I was in the math classroom for 21 years, with a majority of those years spent teaching in Middleton, Wisconsin, and then most recently here in Chandler, Arizona. I'd like to give a huge shout out to all you teachers out there listening. As we approach the middle of the school year, remember to give yourself some grace as you juggle the many demands of your job. Continue to foster relationships with your students. Collaborate with your colleagues to share resources and lesson plans. And don't forget to celebrate the many successes that happen each and every day in your classrooms. The CPM team is here to support you, so please don't hesitate to reach out anytime. Take care. Hi, Jeremiah Morgan here from Egan, Minnesota. I taught both math and science, and as I approached the middle of the school year, I always needed this reminder. Schedule time for your long-term professional goals. It seemed like those day-to-day tasks would start to take over. It seemed like everything was urgent. 
So on my calendar, I would place time, an hour here, an hour there, however much you feel would be appropriate. I would choose that one professional goal that I really wanted to continue working on, and I wouldn't let anything compromise that scheduled time. So maybe you want to improve your assessments, or maybe you want to take a look at collaboration or equity within the math classroom. Whatever it is, choose that one thing, put it on your calendar, and stick to that time span. You really deserve that time for yourself and your professional learning. Hi, my name is Pam Chavis, and I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. One little tidbit about me is I am the oldest of six kids in my family. As we approach the middle of the school year, one piece of advice I would give to CPM teachers is to consult the course planning timeline as you begin to plan for next semester. The timeline can be found under the Teacher tab, under the Course Preparation tab. There are three reasons I would suggest that you do this. First is to calculate how many chapters you should be able to cover before the end of the school year. Second, to see which standards you should be able to cover before your state test and to identify those that may need extra time, and and I would start to work building them into my formative assessments like bell ringers and exit tickets. And the third reason is to construct a materials list so your student assistants could begin to gather those materials and those that I might need to be a little bit harder for me to collect. I hope this helps. Have a great holiday. This is Jocelyn Dunnick from Connecticut. I'm a longtime camp counselor, so I do know what makes a hippopotamus smile. And I also know that relationships are so, so important to kids, to adults, and to everybody. And so my advice is double down on collaboration. Don't give up at the midpoint. If you're tired and the kids are tired, double down on all those things you did at the beginning of the year to make your teams work and push through the hard part. It's so good for them. It's so good for you. And I know that it's hard, but keep at it. Hi, everyone. My name is Becky Schmidt, and I am from a small town in central Minnesota. I had experience teaching courses CC2, CC3, and CCA while in the classroom. And recently, I transitioned to become a professional learning specialist, where I get to work with awesome teachers across the states in their classrooms. My advice for teachers who are starting to approach the middle of the school year would be to take a moment to just stop, pause, and reflect. Take time to reflect on your lessons and the outcomes that you're starting to see from your students at this time. It starts to be the time of year where our plates start to pile up and become overwhelmingly full, so tasks start to slip off to the side. So don't forget to go back to those teacher notes and really think about the lessons that you're providing for your students. Maybe reflect on the study team and teaching strategies that you're using, and do they help share the math authority with your students? Are the questions that you're using as you circulate moving the students thinking forward towards that goal, or are they questions that are more on the funneling side? One thing I always like to look at was how effective was my closure? Am I being true to the closure time and allowing students to make connections with what they learned that day to previous lessons? Either way, taking time to stop, reflect, and think about your practices is a great reminder to think about how you can provide what's best for your students and go back to just the basics and think about where you want to go, maybe set a goal even for the next semester. That would be my advice for teachers that are moving towards the middle of the school year. 
Hey there, it's Ashley from Olive Branch, Mississippi. And my one piece of advice for teachers is to celebrate mid-year. Celebrate with your classes, celebrate with your colleagues, celebrate with your own learning communities, maybe your PLCs. There has been a lot of growth and a lot of things that have happened in the first half of the year. And as teachers, we often just glaze over it and we don't name the things. We don't take time to see all of the wonderful things that have happened. And all of that little growth adds to be the big growth that we're looking for. And that just takes time. So use the mid-year as that stamp to be able to reflect and celebrate. Celebrate all of the growth that has happened with you and your students and your learning communities. And just create some joy and enjoy your holiday break. You got this. Hi, my name is Cheryl Tucker and I am in Bloomington, Minnesota. I can't wait for that snow to come so I can go outside and play and do all those fun winter activities that require both snow and ice. If I could give one piece of advice to CPM teachers, it would be continue to hold the bar high for your students at this time of year, especially with the collaboration aspect of the learning. I find that my students tend to regress or go backwards in their teamwork, and so I need to reinforce my team roles, whether I do that during my lesson planning or choose one to focus on each day. Again, even though I've done it most of the year, I need to really ramp it up at this time. I work on it in my planning. I also come back and do my participation quizzes, and I point out my team norms once again. I need them to continue to collaborate and uh, work with my pair STTSs, etc. This is the time of year that there's a lot of other things happening outside, so keeping myself consistent in my expectations. No one pays off, particularly in February. Have a fun time. Hi, my name is Pam Lindemer. I'm a high school math teacher from Michigan, currently serving as a professional learning specialist with CPM. If I were to offer a suggestion to teachers as we approach mid-course, I would recommend that you ask your students for feedback. If you've never done it before, it may seem really scary at first, but I will tell you that the benefits far outweigh the risks. One of those benefits is an increase in student engagement. Your students will be really honest with you about what is and is not working for them in your classroom, and you can use that information to inform your lesson planning for the rest of the year. Another benefit is better relationships with your students. Now, I always do my surveys anonymously, but I'm amazed at the number of students who will reach out and connect with me, offering up their identities and sharing insights that will help me support them in my classroom. I'm always very transparent about my reasons for doing the survey and what I'm going to do with the information. And I tell them that, number one, I want to increase student learning. And number two, I just want to be a better teacher. I always use a Google form and my surveys are anonymous. I use open-ended questions like what's going well? What would you change about class? Is there anything else that you think I should know? And I am conscious about making time in class for them to complete the survey in silence. After the survey is done, I report back to my students and I let them know some of the common themes that I heard from them. And then I report out to them as I make changes or adjustments to my teaching and our classroom. I share with them that it's because of their feedback that I'm making these changes. So I would just challenge you to ask your students for feedback. I've found that it's some of the best feedback for improving my own classroom performance. Thanks for listening. Hi, 
My name is Rhonda Pierre, and I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. An interesting fact about me is I love to bake, and I love to share my baked goods with others. The one piece of advice that I would give to teachers this time of year is to just keep pushing forward. Take time and reflect back on the beginning of the school year up until this point and see the growth in yourself and in your students. Remember to have grace with yourself. And as you move forward, you will have more growth. Your students will even have more growth. We never reach a long-term goal by going full speed ahead. We usually have short-term goals that help us reach those long-term goals. So remember that mastery takes time and just enjoy this learning experience with your students. Hi, my name's Bree. I'm from Sacramento, California. I taught high school math for six years, and a fun fact about me is that I play the piano. As we approach the middle of the school year, one piece of advice that I would give to teachers is to not lose sight of the culture that you want to exist in your classrooms and to keep on developing and nurturing that culture. Oftentimes, we spend time at the beginning of the year doing team building activities and icebreakers to really build a safe space in our classrooms as well as a sense of community. But once we're a couple months in and more focused on the content that we're teaching, it's easy to lose sight of that culture that we began to build. So one easy way to continue uh, nurturing a positive classroom culture is to include icebreaker activities whenever possible. So this could be done every time students change teams or even once a week, but giving students time to get to know one another and share about themselves allows them to feel more comfortable in their teams and also communicates to students that you value who they are and what they bring to the classroom. They're also just a fun time. So avoid just leaving icebreakers for the beginning of the year and include them whenever possible to continue nurturing that safe classroom environment for every student. Hi, I'm Victoria Holt and I'm from Columbus, Ohio. One interesting fact about myself is that I am the only person in my family who does not have a sister. Crazy, right? So one piece of advice that I would give to teachers as first semester is coming to an end would be the saying mastery takes time is real, but not just for the students, for the teachers as well. So give yourself grace and just take one day at a time. Hi, Misty and Joel. Just wanted to say thank you for your podcast. You're doing a great job. I love listening to them. This is Teresa Riley from Louisville, Kentucky. And an interesting fact about me is that a genealogy trip this summer that I took to Tennessee has made me want to make an additional trip to New York, Chicago, Florida. So it's amazing what you find out in one trip looking through the research. So my advice as you start the middle of the year is to think about your use of study team and teaching strategies. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I get caught in a rut and I'm doing the same old thing day in and day out. And sometimes I just need a little nudge or a little reminder. And one of the things that I wanted to put forth is a nudge about study team teaching strategies. If you're already using them, great. Is there another one that you could use that might help to increase engagement with your students and change it up for everyone? And then if you're not using them, could you consider using one or two to try to do that? Who knows? You might end up helping to raise the status of a student. You might help to increase discourse and just add some more shared math authority to your lesson. So thank you and have a good day. 
Hi, this is Joel from Salt Lake City, high school math teacher. Interesting fact about me is I've been practicing on my new steel drum, so that's been going pretty fun and good. Just as we approach the middle of the school year, if I could give advice to CPM teachers, it would be that it's okay to refresh and start again with those study team and teaching strategies and those team roles and think about how those could be reignited and used all the time in your classroom. And then as well as lean on your colleagues because everybody's probably at this time of year feeling the low of the roller coaster, so to speak. And so we can all lift each other up as we move into the new year. This is Misty and I live in Portland, Oregon. My advice for teachers in the middle of the year is to really take a break. I know it's hard if you were like me, You made all those big projects due right before the break because then it wrapped up a unit and it was all very tidy and neat. And then you thought, oh yeah, I'll be able to do all those things over the break. I'll have lots of time to do all this grading and correcting. And if you're like me, you were really sad that you set all that stuff up to do over the break because you really wanted to just have some downtime. Remember that you work hard every day and what you do is important and also taking care of yourself is important. So do that. Take care of yourself. Make sure that you get some downtime. Do whatever it is that you love to do for a hobby that you don't have time for during the year when you're so busy with school and sleep in. Those would be my pieces of advice for you in the middle of the year. Then come back refreshed and do it again. The grading will happen. It'll get done. Don't worry. I know you'll be able to do it. Cheers. For more information and to stay connected with CPM happenings, you can find CPM on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our intro music is one of the very talented contributions that you can find on pixabay.com. Thank you, Julius H., for your creation. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It's going to be January 11th, which is National Milk Day. And I'm really excited to tell my stories about when I used to be a pasteurizer at the dairy. And I started out in the repo, and then I worked my way up to blow molding, and then I made some sour cream and the buttermilk, of course. And just from start to finish, I can tell you all about the milk and how it's pasteurized, how it's made, what you should and should not buy at the store, things like that. One of my favorite parts of the job is I got test all of the products. So that included ice cream, that included cream, that included the Wendy's mix. So mixing them all in between. But I'm so happy to celebrate National Milk Day because it's near and dear to my heart as far as my life experience and